Glitch, Please, the show where we talk about video games and all the things we love and hate about them and all the stuff that happens around video games and just generally have a good time every week. I'm Ashley. Stephanie? Oh, so that's me. Yeah. <laughs> so Stephanie, Stephanie's, Stephanie's, I think, are you, you might be our first non Rooster Teeth guest on the show. Really? My friend Stephanie, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, I think Raina came on, uh, Raina Schooley came on a while back, but I can't remember if that was during the pilot season or <laughs> she's been on since we, like, launched it, launched it. And Adam. Ryan. Hi. <laughs> so we're off to a really solid start. <laughs> um, the professional glitch please. It's show. morning. It's yeah. always morning. So always uh, this in the morning. So Stephanie, this is Stephanie Ben Dixon, a good friend of mine in town uh, visiting from Sydney, Australia. And uh, she uh, we met when she was the host of a show in Australia for ABC called Good Game. Uh, and she's since uh, moved on. She's now uh, hosting a show called Screenplay for Seven. Yeah, yeah, Seven Network. There, which is uh, my first like, foray into commercial TV, which is crazy, crazy different. But then you also like you started doing Twitch streaming. You started doing all this stuff um, as well. And you've got a there's a digital component to Screenplay. So there's like you've got all this stuff going on. Yeah, we're trying to push that kind of angle really hard. I think our audience is very much online. But then it's really interesting trying to cater to a TV audience as well. They're quite different. Yeah, there's a there's a certain sort of like immediacy and people will tolerate, um, you know, stuff online like us being like, oh yeah, we should introduce things and being bad at it that doesn't really fly on <laughs> TV. Well, I think as well, just the the TV audience tend to be people that are already watching TV. They're up late and they're kind of just like ending their day and they're like, what is this show? And then we kind of yeah, we pick up that audience. So it needs to be a little broader. Whereas the YouTube audience, they will definitely kind of go to the show to find it every day and to, to see the regular stuff that we put out. Yeah, so um, I wanted to take the opportunity while you're here, um, just in addition to catching up with you as much as I possibly can, because I miss you very much uh, since when we were on different continents. Uh, but to talk about the, the sort of the way uh, different countries and different infrastructures and different government regulations sort of affect gaming in different countries, like, you know, because it, we look at things here, right? It's really easy to just say, well, why don't we all just go all digital? Because what the hey, the internet's good enough uh, without taking into account the way other stuff works. In like places other, where like, the internet is not good enough. <laughs> right. And, you know, honestly, there are areas in the U.S. where it's definitely not good enough. But uh, there are, you know, in different countries where there are uh, data caps, which is a, a thing and so on. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and we'll also go through the news. Uh, but before we get into all that formal stuff, what you guys been playing? Monster Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How is it? Games, have you not played it? I've played like 10 minutes of it. Oh I got a cat, God. the you, cat died, but like, then it turned out the cat wasn't dead. Yeah, the cat doesn't die. I'm like fully, I'm fully in. I'm, I'm How many hours are you in? 90 hours in 90 game. hours? Okay. It came out like a week ago. Two, so you're, th two so weeks you're through ago. the tutorial. Yeah, pretty much. No, honestly, like uh, it took 85 hours to see the credits roll. Uh, and then after the that, wait, hold on, the opening credits. Now <laughs> like the, the end credits. It took 85 hours to see the end credits roll, but that's not the end. Like as soon as you beat the game, then it's like now you can go on even crazier hunts and get even better gear. So like it just like it 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 sort of like false false summits you 35 hours in or so with the ending. I've, he I've heard that's the kind of the whole point of the game is that your first playthrough is kind of like not even anything. It's kind of setting you up for the real game. Which yeah. You play through it a second time. They, they like they totally like you play through what you think is the story, which takes about 30, 35 hours. You think this is the story, but oh no. <laughs> well, they're like they're like here's this big bad enemy that you've been chasing for the whole game, and you you took 
care of it. Great job. It's the end of the game. Let's all celebrate. And then they're like, more shit's happening. <laughs> and then you go into high rank, and then high rank is like all the same monsters but harder, and then you get better gear, and then at the end of that sequence there are even more hard monsters. And that takes that took me another 50 hours. And then after that, I was like, now you get to go into like tempered monster hunts. So they, it it's a... Cr there's a lot to it, which is great. Do they actually like justify that with a story, or is it just like, okay, the, you finished the story, but now this is more They don't more justify. Well, they they, they, justify, they justify all. Of it. It's not. They, like, they justify like you, you took the big monster out of the picture. Now the other monsters are going crazy, so they're harder. Uh, okay. And right. so and that kind of the same thing carries through to like the tempered monsters, which are even harder. They but, thought the monsters thought they were in a frenzy, but oh no! Mm -mm. <laughs> now you remove really that good. layer of management, and it all comes off the rails. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That game is really addicting. To first off, I changed my weapon. I was playing with the greatsword because I made a giant greatsword, and I thought I have to play with the greatsword, but the moveset was too boring. So I, I switched to a, a giant hammer, and like just like managing to like feel like. I'm sorry, I'm not speaking well. Getting better at that game is so satisfying. Like going from not being able to kill anything to being able to like stomp on any monster you see and know the moveset in and out is so satisfying. And I think that is the core loop of Monster Hunter. More than more than just getting the gear and getting to fight bigger monsters, it's you getting better. It's it's kind of like the Dark Souls thing of of your It's the Dark Souls uh -huh. of it's the Dark Souls Monsters. of Monster Hunters. <laughs> Do you need to specify giant when it comes to weapons in that game? Because I, I got to the part where it's like, all right, pick your weapon. And it's like, okay, uh, here's there, a list of them. I'm like, least, oh, there's just a katana. It looks like a katana. I'll take that. Yeah, there's at least one. Like, the dual blades are pretty small. Okay. They're like like daggers. or like you want They look like something a human could carry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You, you get the daggers, and they're only six feet long. <laughs> <laughs> my fear in picking up this game is I feel like it's going to be one of those ones where I spend like an hour and a half creating my character <laughs> and my cat, and then I'll get into the game and be like, oh, I'm not really sure I like how this looks, so then I go back and start again, which I've done many times <laughs> now. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, God, what's the last game? I rerolled Mass Effect Andromeda. I rerolled like three or four times right. just because that one was so difficult, and then that subreddit popped up. The uh, It was like share your writers or something that showed <laughs> where everyone put all the different settings that they used to get their writer because uh, I think the game was going to implement some sort of browsing system where you could browse other people's <laughs> custom writers and be like, I'll take that one, thank you. Uh, but it wasn't implemented yet, and so people were just sharing their settings. And I went back a couple times because I'd get one in the character creator that looked fine. Yeah. And then in the game... But went, in the game, it never no. does. Really? I need to work that out. Well, in Monster Hunter, to be fair, it also doesn't quite look the same. Uh, I, I, ended think up, in, I think in cutscenes there's some like discrepancies, right? Yeah, uh, I ended up uh, accidentally I, or subconsciously making basically a love child between uh, Yuna from Final Fantasy X and Lightning from Final Fantasy XIII. So she had the pink hair and the the like delicate face and everything, but then she had the blue and green eyes that Yuna's got. And I was like, this is real cool. I'm going to be really, really cool. And I got into the game, and I was like, no, nah, you look weird. This is going to get changed quick. Oh, man. <laughs> there must be a particular facial aesthetic that I really like, because every time I try to redesign the face, it always ends up looking the same. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm going to do something really crazy. I'm going to do, like, bright purple hair with, like, yellow gold eyes. It's going to be all, like, butterfly-y. And then I don't do it. I don't have that problem, like, at all. I just make a character that's, like, as close to a preset as as can have a beard and look kind of <laughs> like me, and I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah but the, you also, the, like, you, you're spending 100-plus hours 
looking at this character. Yeah, I put a helmet no, on. No, you look really at the back of the head, <laughs> I put a helmet on immediately. There you go. Like the first thing I do is put a helmet on. Oh, no. And then all you just get the beard yeah. coming out the, the bottom and you're good. There are times <laughs> when I get so like distracted looking at myself that I just go, I don't even play the game. I'm like, God damn, I look amazing. <laughs> also, if you, uh, you, there are the, the idle bits where if you just leave the character standing and then eventually the camera will pop out around them and just start panning, I will just sometimes, if I really like the way I've created a character, I will do that intentionally and treat that as like a yeah. Like a wallpaper for the TV. Just I'll look over. I'll go do something else and look over occasionally. Yeah. And go. Plus, oh yeah. So many games now have these incredible photo modes and like mm -hmm. things that you can do with cameras and stuff. Like no, you you want to be looking good. Uh, I just can't be bothered. <laughs> I got stuff to do. No. I don't want to. I can't, I can't lose myself in a character. Plus, anytime I try and make anything that looks remotely like me, I realize I look like the most generic white male ever. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, but I make like a, a fantasy like hot version of myself. Like I'm always sort of taller with really long hair and like high cheekbones and stuff. And I'm like, this is me. Like uh, with some surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine there's. Um, it's. It is fun to be able to try to create like that fantastical version of yourself. I don't know a lot of people that are like, yeah, I need this needs a little bit more gut. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I know was, a couple of people that do that. <laughs> Black Desert Online. I was playing, and you can make a crazy character creator in that game, or you can make a crazy character with a character creator in that game. And one of the options is like how fat you want your guy to be. And I was I was totally honest. I was like, scroll up, man. <laughs> I look, I look like no, myself. no, yeah. no. There it is. But okay. In, uh, in Capcom came out, and they were like. If enough people want it, we'll put in a, a, a you can so an option for you to redo your character look, and everyone's like, we want it. What the fuck? And they haven't done it yet, but eventually they will. Yeah. So that game's really good, and I can't recommend it enough. And Monster Hunter? Are yeah. we back yeah, on it? Yes, Black Monster Hunter. <laughs> fuck Black Desert. That game sucks. <laughs> Monster Hunter. How about you, Ryan? I mean, nothing's really changed for me so far. I, I, the other day, this game exploded on Twitch, and I've looked into it, but I haven't touched it yet, which is Kingdom Come Deliverance. Yeah, so that just came out. This That was a Kickstarter mm -hmm. game. Uh, it's been it's been a long time in development, and one of the big things about that game, and in fact, we should play it. Uh, maybe we can talk about it um, on an upcoming uh, episode of Glitch, please. Next week is actually... Uh, pre-pre-recorded episode <laughs> because uh, it's going to be, uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, like a live event week uh, for Rooster Teeth. Uh, we have a venue in Austin where we are doing a whole bunch of live shows, live versions of some of our shows. So the Rooster Teeth podcast, always open, off topic, on the spot. And then we're also having a birthday, a birthday party for Gus. Uh, and so we're doing those uh, live next week. So all of the next week's shows are like extra pre-recorded unless they're, I guess, live there. We don't but know. the point being for us, uh, it's uh, next week's show is extra pre-recorded. So right. uh, we've actually already <laughs> recorded it. So maybe for like two or three weeks, we'll we'll give ourselves some time and play Kingdom Become uh, Deliverance because I think we should. Well, I, I bought it. I've downloaded it. I haven't touched it yet because yeah. uh, I keep playing Subnautica. I want to I want to look at it, but all I hear is that that game is super buggy. It looks buggy as hell, uh, but you know, whenever you have a really super open world RPG, it's gonna break in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah, no, just, totally. the QA department is is buried. There's no way that they could ever examine every possibility. It's also it's a pretty small studio, and uh, it's one of the things that's supposed to set this game apart is that it really it's trying to be pretty authentic from a historical standpoint, right. um, like as far as technology and the way everything mm -hmm. works, um, and it's. Everything I've heard about is very ambitious, but also that the developers are absolutely in love with this project, which I think is so important for the outcome of a game. It can get you past a lot of bugs when you can feel the love. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it looks like the fighting style is very chivalry. So if you 
I mean, we're a fan of that kind of like mm. very uh, deep combat system for especially like dueling. Mm. Um, I've also read several reviews that say you are not like a super person at all. In this Just Joe like, If you run into four guys, you're not going to hero that bitch out. You're, yeah. you're going down. So don't run how into do you, four guys. How do you feel about it? I mean... So for me, the one turnoff for this game is that it is authentic medieval and not like too much, not fantasy medieval. I, I'm totally fine with not like Skyrim a enough. game that is like realistic, but I like the sort of fantasy setting because it, it adds another layer. It's like here's all your medieval shit, and there's dragons and magic, and I love that. <laughs> so that's that's a, it's like a mild turn. Something to offset all the but, plague, right? <laughs> but I mean, I still probably want to pick it up and check it out. But I don't know. That that to me is a little bit. Off-putting. Mm. I mean, I'm the same. I, mean, I love medieval history, so I'll, I'll totally get into it. But I always like having multiple methods of combat. So I right. think when you've got like melee and magic, it's always really exciting. Yeah. You, to be able to mix them up while you're fighting is yeah, you're right. It adds another layer. Yeah, instead of just being like, how would I like to fight a sword or a morning star? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping they have a bow. I don't know. I haven't gotten that deep into it yet. Mm. Oh, they shit. do have a bow. I saw a gift hey. of a guy oh, shit. Yeah, you shooting know a bow at a guy, bow. and that guy was like 20 feet away, and then he flew through the air and kicked the guy in the face. Very good gift. Bow was always nice. my choice in, uh, in War of the Roses, which is similar kind of like combat, I think, in that game. It was always good, because I just wasn't good with the melee stuff. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my solution to all of that is just try to hit, kill them before they can get to me. Or before, preferably before they know I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Because then I'll just be like, ah! Like a ninja. I'd yeah. rather Robin Hood it, yeah. I'll be in the bush. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in a fair fight if I can help it. <laughs> mm. yeah. uh, well, you know, back in that day, you got a scratch and you were done, so it's probably for the best. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So you haven't been playing that? I have not, but, but I've, have I've wanted to. You've been thinking about it very hard. Uh, gosh, what have we been playing recently? Uh, I mean, like I said, at home I'm playing mainly Subnautica still because I've still got more to do in that game. Um, How's your progress on it? Uh, I keep trying to get to the... the I built the big sub, which is really cool, the, the Cyc- uh, Cyclops, I think it's called. Um, uh, and then it turns out you really got to work to keep that thing in electricity. It uh, it's real real power hog. A lot of maintenance, huh? Yeah, uh, and then I tried to go to the super base to cure my alien STD, and I. Um, I'm sorry. Back up. Yeah, no, you you land on this planet, and apparently everything's infected. Uh, <laughs> so why is it an STD, Ryan? Look, I don't know how I got it. <laughs> I woke up and I had a thing. I don't know what happened while I was out. I just the planet did something to me. If you play games like I play games, then I know how. You play. <laughs> 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 this is the best thing about Fable. <laughs> like, didn't use protection, you got a disease. And it would, also, sh- it would show you baby. as well, like, this, it, other people who are playing that game and your, like, Xbox thing, it would be like... Oh, the stab! Like, the Ashley has got. contracted four STDs so far, and I'd be like, oh, gotta use protection, man. <laughs> so, no, What's going the, on? Look, that was, that was a light week. <laughs> <laughs> man, so, uh, you got a disease and you're having trouble with electricity. I can't, I can't get to the really place fun. to cure the disease because it's guarded by giant uh, mean things. Now, can you... Do, w- can you take them on one by one over a period of time, or will they respawn if you go away for too long? I don't know. that This game isn't really about killing things. I think I, I do have, finally have torpedoes that could conceivably kill It's something. not about killing things? It's a video game. What There's is it about? They're giant monsters. <laughs> They're giant. You're just, look, it, the, the pod that you spawn in is like, oh, we got rid of old weapons a while ago. That's, uh, that's We don't really do that. Here's a knife. You can have that if you want. But, yeah, no, it's... They're big monsters. You can put torpedoes on your uh, various underwater vehicles, but 
One of them is like a gas torpedo and doesn't seem to do anything other than inconvenience anybody you hit with it. Maybe it just smells really terrible. Maybe. It did seem the one time I hit somebody with one, it did left. So it's just, Maybe it's just a weaponized fart. That's what it actually it, means. It looks <laughs> like it. I mean, it basically is. I think it's a methane. So um, the other one is like a mini black hole torpedo. That one seems to kill a shark. Yeah, black holes? Yeah, I haven't, do it. I haven't hit. Uh, they're called reapers. I haven't hit a reaper with one yet, but uh, or leviathans. Yeah, they're uh, they're big and mean, and they don't like me very much. So. Well, no one does. No. Yeah. <laughs> Except up. us. That's, Except us. Okay, good. I you know. Slightly. Better. As long as you don't shoot a gas torpedo at us. No promises. I'm still a ride or die Final Fantasy X. I'm into the final grind. <laughs> Look, final grind, I went through, I... Are you, know, you, though? I beat all this, my stuff in the hidden dungeon, and now I've got to go... Like, my... I keep thinking I'm in the final grind, but then I look at my checklist, and it's still very, very long. <laughs> yeah, I still have to get... There's this process for... So I found out that, unfortunately, I've talked about the sphere grid previously, and I was like, you, they can't possibly need you to complete the entire thing with every single character. No, they do. I mean, that's it turns out that's, forever. It's the entire thing. That's the so, rest of your life. But we live in a beautiful age of internet where you can go, no, you're not, a cheater. what? And then go look up, be like, well, not cheat, because you're you still have cheater. you still have to do it, but I'm absolutely looking up how to optimize that shit. Uh-huh. And there's uh we, like they, there's a way that you can like fight. You have to fight this boss using these weapons and these armors, so you have these abilities, and then that'll get you a whole bunch of, of sphere points that mm. then you can go and do. So you still have to put all the time in, but first you've got to grind all these other things to get this other stuff, so that you can then put these attributes on your weapons and your armor, and then you have to do that like you know six or seven times, and then I can fight the boss, and then I can get my points, and then I can go fight a bunch of other bosses to get spheres to use when I'm spending those points. Why? Look, I, at this point, it's a commitment. <laughs> at this point, I decided I was gonna do it. It's not fun in any way. Mm. I am now sitting, we'll be like, we'll be watching TV or something. I'm introducing stuff to Gallivant. Gallivant? Gallivant, TV show. Uh, do you like campy fantasy musicals? C- kind of like um, Men in Tights, a little bit like that, I would oh, say, kind okay. of similar. Okay. Yeah, where it's like it's a like it's a you know fantasy fairy tale esque. It's a musical, but it's very self aware, mm-hmm. uh, and gets a little bit dirty on occasion. It's a lot of fun. A little saucy, okay. A little, little saucy, but you know only like PG saucy. <laughs> nothing, okay. you'd, nothing you'd be like, <laughs> they're gonna do it. Got but it. you know, you know, nothing with jalapeno. Just kind of like yeah. right, right, just like marinara. A little cheeky, um, but it's a lot of fun, and I just love stupid campy musicals, and I was so shocked it got a second season, and then it's never getting anything else. <laughs> um, so we were watching that, and I was just sitting there grinding through these enemies. It's one of those games where I wonder, like, how healthy it is to have it on a portable console. You have it everywhere. Like, I wherever do. we go, I see the little glow reflected on your face, and I'm like, she's it in is deep, man. She's in deep. You know, but I'll, like, I'll just put it on silent. I'm just, run, like, running around, grinding these bosses while doing something else or half having a conversation with people and then being like, oh wait, what, what'd you say? I feel like this is the <laughs> modern equivalent of like needlecraft or knitting or whittling or like, this is that's just things that you that's do with true, your hands That's true actually, especially to... when you get into the grindy part of it. Yeah. Just kind of, you're, you're just kind of doing menial tasks. You, but... yeah. Except you got things at the end of those other things. That's you, true. Yeah, but you, you enjoying, get a trophy. Are you enjoying it? Uh, so the game itself, I still love. I think it's really wonderful and there, 
in pursuit of this platinum, I am now doing things that I did not do with the game before. You know, when before the age of trophies and achievements, uh, if you were like, I'm doing, I'm a completionist, I'm going for it, I'm doing this, you still had to define what that meant for you. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's defined for me. <laughs> And it's telling me that I didn't do nearly enough. And it's before. meaner than you were, apparently. It's <laughs> brutal. But, you know, I went through and I got all my ultimate weapons and upgraded them. And so that, and I went through the, the, the secret dungeon. And before that was where I was like, all right, cool, we're done. And uh, apparently that is, that is mm -hmm. not the case You're not at done. all. But uh, so now I've got to go fight Dark Aeons, which I don't think were in the game before. And to I think put they've some uh, perspective on it. Uh, Ashley, you completed 100% Persona 5, right? Uh, I've not platinumed it yet. I need to do another run. That's listed at 165 hours, and the remaster for Final Fantasy X is listed at 163. Look, we don't we don't need to talk about these things. Um, <laughs> how much? How many hours are you in? Uh, you know what? Uh, I can grab my Vita after this. I'm probably somewhere around 100 at this point. It's insane, man. I mean, that's. That's a quality I don't have, to be able to sink my teeth that deep into a game if I'm doing stuff that I don't absolutely love. Mm -hmm. I will not go for 100% of any game. The only game I've ever 100%ed is, is Dark Souls. But JRPGs have man. trained me very well on the busy work <laughs> aspect of gameplay. It's yeah. insanity. Because pretty much every JRPG's got that, where at some point you're just running back and forth through a dungeon, grinding up your levels, and you're finding the same stuff over and over and over again, and you're just hoping for some drop or something and getting your levels up so that you can go into the next dungeon overpowered, because that's always really fun. No, I refuse. And this so is I like character creator. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. At no. some point, I decided, because The Witcher 3 is my favorite game, that I would be like, I don't think you can 100% it, because there's certain decisions you make that are kind of in lieu of other ones, so I don't know that you can, but I was like, I just want to complete everything that's possible for me to complete you know, in this game. But when you look at the map of all the different territories and stuff, there are hundreds of tiny little question marks and stuff of just like buried treasure and things that you can collect or monster nests that you can kill and stuff like that. So I kind of set about trying to clear through them and I got maybe like three treasure, like treasure chests in and I was already overburdened. So then I then had to go back and sell that stuff, but none of the vendors have enough money to buy all the stuff that I've collected. So I'm like, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to drop it all. And then I feel like I'm just collecting treasure from all of these different to places just to drop it, just so that I can clear that question mark. You're and I'm moving like, it from A to B. Is, think... there, is there a point to this? Or am I really going to feel satisfied at the end of it? I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a mod for that game that allows you to, uh, to get rid of encumbrance, and I think I did that. I want to say that, get rid of, but then you're just carrying things around. I don't care. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to go to the vendor who doesn't have money. I don't want to drop my shit on the ground. That reminds yeah. me. Of, Let me carry it. But then and I'm very pedantic about inventory management, and that would just. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was uh, Morrowind. Uh huh. Uh, the mud crab merchant was like this secret merchant. It was just a mud crab, just a random mud I crab. I remember that guy wandering around, uh, and you could go up to him and shop with him, and. Uh, that was the merchant with the most money in the game. I, if I, recall I eventually just modded. There was a, there was a, I think an, uh, like an I and I file that you could edit the merchant amount of money. Well, and again, at the end of the day, it's like, why did I do that? Like now I have a ridiculous amount of money that I can spend on nothing. Yeah, but you have it. For what? Avocado toast. It's not even real. <laughs> avocado toast. <laughs> they didn't even have avocados in Morrowind. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's a real shame. Mm. But you could spend it on skooma. Yeah, didn't earn root. But what, why? But why? <laughs> why? Why? Not? why Enjoy not? yourself. Why not? Why not?
I'll just have a, a you know a bender and smoke up all the skooma and burn down my house. <laughs> so uh, Steph's got a, a a mission while she's here uh, for me, and yeah. that is she's going to sit me down. She's going to sit down with me next to me and go. We're getting into The Witcher Three right now. Oh, do you not not played The Witcher Three? So I've played parts of it. Oh man! But I have not. You're in for I have a fucking not, game. I've, I played like little bits here and there, and <laughs> we've discussed this. It ticks every single box. It does on games that I will play and enjoy and love, and maybe that's part of it. That I'm like, oh man, there'll be another thing I'll get into. Probably not. It. I think it's just one of those things that you look forward to and you're like, I'm excited. Everything about this is great, and it just is always somewhere in the distance. It's a big game. It's a mirage. And it, and it can be and it can be like a little bit intimidating. But you know what? It has a really great mission design and the fact that it doesn't kind of just open the map out to you and say just go for your life. You know, you will progress through areas and follow the missions and kind of slowly expand on the map. But it's such a beautiful, authentic um, classic fantasy experience. Really east that eastern european influence is is really evident there and it's just every character and every the smallest side quests have the most intriguing storylines to them so you never apart from collecting treasure chests and stuff you never feel like you're just doing something for the sake of it because often in the game it's very almost uh, fable fairy tale like so often there'll be a, a village and they're plagued by a monster and then you find out that monster is actually a person who was cursed many years ago and then you find out that the curse was placed on them by a jealous lover and you have to go kind of uncovering the various mysteries that led to this monster being there and then you have to make a decision as to whether you kill the monster or you try and undo the curse and reverse the damage but then someone has to pay oh it's great <laughs> did they fix the quest system because this is what happened to me playing that game i've never played it more than maybe like i think i've got maybe five six to ten hours in it i was playing along and i had this problem where i you know i'll start getting some quests but i'll also just keep exploring sure and i kept accidentally completing quests, but not clearing them. So I would find like right. the chest that yeah. the quest was supposed to lead you to, and then that quest is just stuck there open forever. And once I accumulated a few of those, it was driving so me you, nuts. So you found the end of the quest before you found yes. the beginning of the quest? I accident I'd like accidentally stumble upon the conclusion of the quest, but it would not back complete the quest. Hmm. I've done that a couple of times. I think they've more or less fixed most of that. Every okay. now and again, there's maybe like two quest lines that are still a bit bugged and that you can't mm -hmm. complete for whatever reason. But I would say on the whole, they've, they've fixed all of that. And I think also... The way you go about discovering quests, they've kind of made that a little bit clearer so that you're not f falling on things too accidentally. It'll, yeah, or like in the middle of them, like you'll yeah. find a chest and it'll have like a scrap of paper in it. And it's like that's step two of a quest that you already... Yeah, I think that's bound to happen sometimes if you're, yeah. if you're big into open world exploring. I think that's bound to happen sometimes. But for the most part, I think you follow the quest lines pretty traditionally. The thing that's kind of frustrating about it, though... Um, and also, I suppose, unavoidable is that you will inevitably level past quests really quickly. And so you can never complete everything. You know, if you're a completionist and you just want to complete all the low-level quests before you move on, you're kind of then making yourself too overpowered to... Do you know what I mean? You kind and of then just, nothing's a challenge. And then nothing's a challenge, yeah. So you kind of just need to go through and pick and choose your, your, your quests at your own... Uh, discretion, and then if you if you really in, want to at the end, like I am, just go back and clear out all the low level stuff, yeah. mm -hmm. which is kind of just takes you two seconds because a group of bandits will be like ah, and then you just kind of breathe on them and they all fall over. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the Skyrim paradox where yeah, yeah it's, you you avoid doing the main storyline as much as possible, and then you finally do it, and it's like oh, that was boy, I really could have done that at any time. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's also <laughs> one of those things that makes a lot of fantasy worlds and a lot of games 
difficult is if, if there's secret something or other that ends up being way more difficult than the actual story boss. You're like, mm. you're the threat to the world, and yet there are so many bigger threats than you that, that you, like, you just, meh. Not by like, the end of the game. It's hard to take seriously. I like that there's different kinds of quests. I mean, there's, you've got your main story quests, and then you have side quests as well that are optional that you can do. And then you have um, treasure hunts, which are usually for, like, sick, like, sets of armor and stuff. There's four or five different sets of armor that you can go and hunt down if you want, and they all give you buffs if you have the whole set and everything, and it's great. Um, and they all have a different story behind them about, you know, witches that have come before you and have stashed them there for whatever reason. And then there are monster contracts that you can pick up from villages and stuff, which... Um, you know, every fight in The Witcher is so wonderful in that you never just go up and fight the monster. You've got to read the bestiary first and learn its weaknesses and then you make an oil for your sword and then a potion that you can take halfway through and learn which sign its weak to weakness is so that you can use that magic against it. It's like a real scholarly approach to magic and fighting and that's why I love it so much. Yeah. Do you, um, so you mentioned that you can't quite complete it because you have to make choices. Yeah. So, so like different uh, factions. So there, can you like join one faction and then you can't do... You can't, like, this other faction will dislike you. You can't just become, like, Skyrim-style, the leader yeah, of absolutely every faction it's a, all it's at the same time. It's more of, like, a, you get quest choices. Mm. So it's like, do you want to kill this person or save this person? You'll get, a, like, achievement for either one of them. And, like, I think the only way to do some of those is run the game twice. Okay. Which is yeah. a big undertaking. It's Huge. less to do with factions and more to do with kind of character relationships that okay. you develop and choices you have to make around that. Well, I mean, one of the main ones is the romantic kind of choice that you make between Triss and Yennefer. So you have a... And you'll reach a point where you've kind of developed a relationship of some sort with, with both of them, and then you'll be forced to make a choice at some point. Did you go Triss or Yennefer? Forever Triss. <laughs> I love Triss. Everyone loves Yennefer, and I get it. I just think she's really arrogant and kind of up herself. I don't know why people love her so much. No offense, Yennefer fans. <laughs> Triss. Little, is some offense, but only a little bit. The issue is that Triss, if, if you're like heaps nerdy about the books and everything, Triss is a bit of a dick in the book, so I get why people don't like her, but. If you're purely kind of focusing on the game content, she's my favorite character, yeah. And um, the author, uh, Andrzej Zokowski, where is he from? Poland. Poland, there we go. I keep, for some reason, I keep, I was... He's like a national, thinking Ukraine, a national but I know that's not right. Of, of Poland, so CD Projekt Red are based in, in Warsaw as well, so... Okay. Yeah. But I think he's, there not, isn't... he's not a fan of the game, as I recall, right? Well, <laughs> he always seemed a bit... Like, I don't know, resentful uh -oh. of it. The, the reason why is because I think when they came to him and was like, you know, we can either, you know, pay you outright for the rights to do this or we can give you, like, a percentage of the sales. And he was like, this game's going to be bullshit, so I'll take the money. And then the game took off and he was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's why he's resentful. <laughs> well, he should be resentful of himself because that sounds like a, like... Yeah, dude, if he they had gave him a option, choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, the other game I've been playing, I don't know if you guys have played um, Divinity Original Sin 2. But that that game's my, so fucking good. It's so fucking good, isn't it? I played... It was my game of the year for 2017 and it was... This is going to make me sound really lame, like I have no friends, but I, um, I struggle, I, I've always kind of struggled to find like a core group of people that I play with regularly online. I think because I play with people through work and stuff and everyone has their own lives and we play games for work. But um, since I started streaming, streaming on Twitch, I kind of met a few people who were um, just really keen to kind of create a group that we would play this one game with. Um, hi, Bucket Crew, if you're watching. Um, we all wear buckets on our heads, you know. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and it is honestly one of the most detailed and in-depth games I think I've ever come across. And if you love Dungeons and & Dragons and that kind of really nerdy, um, you know, role-playing game, it is just so unique and wonderful and funny. The writing is so good. I think they recorded like 74,000 lines, individual lines of dialogue for this game. And so every character has a unique story and personality and... 
um, there's just so much to it that's so wonderful. Yeah, we've played a we bit to, together, but we I, need to do more. We know what we should do is we should just put like we should put something in our calendars, like a weekly. Like this is like a weekly thing in our calendars. This is going to be yes. like our like Let's, our special time. <laughs> yes, because we've got because um, in the you know in the other building, Gus has got a bank of computers that we can use to play. Like that's what we used when we were playing some co-op well, before. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they changed it a little bit. Oh no, we can I, still figure I, out. I we have a whole there. room in there. We can figure something okay. out. Okay, you do have to schedule though because it's the kind of game you want to sit down for at least five hours at a time because it's. Because it looks, even though it's an isometric RPG that looks like something like Diablo, maybe it's actually turn-based combat. So there's a lot of time and strategy that you put into every fight, and it, and it's the it's a kind of game that sucks time into a black hole, and you don't even realize it. You can make what feels like uh, only a little bit of progress, and that will take you five hours because everyone's in their inventory with all the stuff that they get, and we're trying to figure out where to go, and then and everyone's trying to talk to, to absolutely long. everyone. <laughs> yeah, but it's so rewarding and so much fun, and I think. I've just, I really look forward to those play sessions and I don't think I've had that experience in another game before. It's just really lovely and funny and wonderful. Yeah, it's a, it's an intimidating game. If you didn't play the original or if you're not familiar with all the systems, I think they do a much, like I think they do a better job with the second one than the first one as far as introducing yeah. you, like the, the entire sort of first mini story with the ship that teaches you like how like you can talk to people and <laughs> how to do these different things and introduces you to some some combat with you know weak monsters and everything before it throws you into the town, which then opens up into the rest. So yeah. it it eases you in a bit, but it's still. There's so much depth to the game that it can be yeah. like you're just looking into an abyss. It's one of the few games that I actually feel fortunate that like, a couple of people that in this um, in this group have played a, a significant amount of it before, and they've just kindly re-rolled to start playing it through with me. So I end up in these situations where we walk into this new room. I'm like, okay, guys, what should happen? They're like, oh, you should probably go talk to that lady over there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I walk up, and then she ends up being some sexy lady, and then she tries to kind of seduce me, and I'm like, all right, so I go for it, and then she vomits bees down my throat, and I'm like, guys, and they're like. <laughs> <laughs> like you knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> There's so much too that like you could could easily miss in that game so and much. not even realize yep. it. It's like, devastating if, actually thinking about it. Yeah, like if you don't have uh, the perk to talk to animals, mm -hmm. there oh my are, God, are entire storylines that. that you will miss out on. It's also uh, really fun. The, the yeah. animal talking, the animal quests are some of the most beautiful, funny, unique, and strange quests. And I think, sometimes it's really sad. Ooh, very sad. Man, yeah, I had to. I, I'm gonna have to restart because I got a dog killed. I didn't mean to. You he was bastard. a good dog, and he just died. It, was it, it wasn't Buddy, was it? It was Buddy. Oh, you got oh, Buddy killed? No. Yeah. Adam, no. I didn't know what I was doing, man. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah, there was there was one quest line I think where um you you find a, a a group of chickens and you talk to the the mother hen and she's like all of our eggs were stolen. Like you have to go find them. And you're like all right, so you go find that some creature has you know. Put, has infected them with some kind of demon spawn something and they're all messed up and you end up having to kill them all but there's one that remains and so then you take that egg back to the chicken and she's like oh thanks and then you come back like later in the game and all the chickens are dead and then you just see this one tiny chicken that was the chicken that you saved and it's kind of this weird demonic chicken and you realize <laughs> that the chicken you saved ended up murdering all the other chickens and then it follows you around and you can't get rid of it and so I'm, <laughs> You yeah, got a demon chicken. I got a demon chicken following me around, and I can't do anything the, about that. Well, I could kill it, but 
then I wouldn't know what happens. The one negative I'll give that game is that when you, you get a cat in the beginning of the game and they don't tell you, if you go next to the barrier, the guards will just shoot your cat. Oh, yeah. I've had to restart because of that shit. Me too. Cat gets poisoned as well. If you walk through poison, the cat dies quite quickly. So, but so if you, you can lose just... the cat very easily. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. you just need to quick save all the time so that you can yes. constantly... F5, 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 F5. 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 Yeah, but if you can get through the first area with the cat intact, it becomes uh, familiar. And it's and it's super useful in combat as well because um, you can um, you can spawn the cat and then the cat can jump up onto higher platforms and then you can perform a spell that switches places. Oh, so yeah. if you need some verticality or whatever and you don't have you know rather than using however many action points to get up there, it's super useful. So hmm. get the cat. <laughs> Keep the cat alive. Don't let the, the cat, cat die. <laughs> On top of that, the uh, the developers have been really good about, like, they added the whole GM mode and everything that you can create your own custom campaigns in-game. Oh, yeah. But they have also a whole tool set so you can upload your own 3D models. You can add in, like, if you go to the Steam Workshop, there are, like, custom classes you can download that players have created for, like, different priest subclasses. And, like, you can spend hours in that game. Hours. hours. Yeah. You can spend decades in that game. <laughs> hours and decades, of, yeah. Yeah. No, they do, they do great, great work. And uh, uh, Gus is at uh, Full Sail. We're doing uh, a partnership with them uh, for uh, encouraging game development, working on some cool projects. Gus, what are you playing? So this is Tyler Stab from Rooster Teeth's broadcast department. Question, know, Gus, we are shooting Glitch. Please, right now, Ashley wants to know what you're playing. Okay, interesting. Uh, I'm, actually, <laughs> I'm actually playing Darkest Dungeon on the Switch right now, which I love. Uh, Gilby recommended that game to me. It's such a good game. Uh, I'm trying to re-platinum a New Game Plus run-through of Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and what else am I playing? Of course, PUBG. I'm, I'm really bad at PUBG lately. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, something, something happened. I'm not as good as I used to be. I need to practice. Um, and there's something else. Oh, and then I'm also, I was on the trip to RTX Sydney. I was also replaying some uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Nice. So there you go, Tyler. And thanks for taking all these people's time. Tyler, you can ask. Uh, yeah. he, he, can, he can talk to me anytime. Yeah, cool. Okay, I don't know. Well, let's talk news. Okay, all right. So we're going to talk about the news a little bit. I have set aside two topics to talk about this week uh, because I think there's uh, some good discussion to be had around the two of them. Probably a little bit more than we uh, traditionally have, so I wanted to make sure we have plenty of time, plenty of space. Okay. Uh, the first, there's been a developer banned from Steam over ah. rigging reviews. Good. Now, specifically, this is um, it's a small, it's an indie uh, publisher. Uh, they've got three games on Steam, or they had three games on Steam called uh, Incel. It's I-N-S-E-L. Uh, just want to <laughs> clarify right. that in case anyone is familiar with the incel subreddit. It is not that. Um, oh, because it, isn't that, doesn't that mean island in another language? Uh, they're based in Malta, so maybe. Hey. What's Malta? It's is that an island. A country? country? It's, an, it's an island. <laughs> island? <laughs> I don't know a lot about places. All right, go on. Sorry. You know, we need, you know what we need back? We need Carmen San Diego. Oh, Where is she? Where, Where in the world? So She's probably world, in Malta. Indeed. Got it. Uh, so. <laughs> Derailed. No, but that would I, we do need that back. But anyway, uh, so this developer, uh, there was an email that leaked out of the company of the CEO sending an email out to everyone uh, for one of their newly released games, which is tracking behind their projections, saying, "Hey, uh, you guys should maybe go like leave reviews. Not telling you what to say, not telling you if you know like what you should review or that you have to do it. It's not mandatory, uh, but uh, you know if." If the game doesn't pick up, uh, we might not. Uh, you might not have jobs. 
So um, it right. was. They were just asking their staff to go and leave. To go and leave. Reviews. Essentially, you know, it's implied that they're going to be, they're going to go leave positive reviews because no one's going to go leave a negative review on their own game. Uh, so this email got leaked, um, started making the rounds. Valve banned the developer from the platform and took all their games down. Huh. So wow. if you've already bought the games on Steam, it stays up. Like, How? you can still get to the games and everything. Yeah. You still access it, so, so but that, they've removed it. That's really interesting. How consequential? How, how big is the team? Do you know? Uh, I don't know how big the team is. The uh, the I know the game that they're specifically were trying to get reviews for has sold 24,000 copies. Okay. But so, it says here in an article, um, the, the email was sent out to the company telling staff about 20 people, including freelancers. Okay. So how, how consequential? First off... What's the is there legality behind like I'm a, I made a game I'm gonna just go leave a positive review because I love my game yeah is there is there what is the is is that a moral um, argument I think or is it's that a, like more, a legal I, I think it may be like more of a moral ethical thing than specifically a legal thing it may depend country to country sure. as well on on what you can and can't do typically though that's a no no I know it's a no no it just it seems so. 20 people seem so inconsequential, but I understand if that was a bigger developer, it'd be a, a huge deal, so you can't, you know. I, I, I agree, it feels like a bit of an, uh, kind of an overreaction, because I feel like it's such a commonplace thing. I feel like you go to like a small establishment and there's two reviews in there from like John and Joe, and they're both like, this is the best place I've ever been. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, you're, you're right, that's not a whole lot of people, and look, those people are also entitled to leave reviews, I suppose, really. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it <laughs> comes to. down to, you're not supposed to ask or tell or mm -hmm. even impliedly threaten your employees to do so. Yeah, right. That, that and they should have sure. probably disclosed in their reviews that they were employees. Like, look, I've worked in this game for a long time, but I just want to say that I'm really passionate about it, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and, I, and I, I love this particular thing, and it was really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, you they know, did, but They did issue an update statement uh, about kind of the email and everything that went out, just saying that um, it was meant to rally people's support, including advertising the game to their family and friends in the hope to simply get more reviews. It was never intended to threaten anyone, but just state the importance of reviews for the whole company. No staff has received penalties for not buying the game or writing a review. The game is still available to purchase through other means. Wait, the staff had to Wait, buy the game? Yeah. Well, so the, the emails basically said uh, you have to like buy the game, I think, so you're like a verified purchase what? or whatever um, for the user who's in it. And then we're like, we'll reimburse you for it. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's getting into dodgy territory. Yeah, that's Yeah, and yeah, like yeah, you said, yeah. they're not they're not... There were no consequences for anyone who didn't, but the email does say you might not have a job if we don't turn this game around, and so you need to like leave reviews. Well, and I mean that's probably an honest statement. It it's is not necessarily a threat so much as like a statement of the reality of the situation. But but when you like put it all together, it see, it comes across very much as an implied threat, mm. right? Yeah. No. Uh, I yeah. did leave a review like on or else. I did leave a review on my own book once. I wrote a, like a series of children's books with a with a friend of mine, and I wrote uh, this. Uh, I wrote this book. You know, I really hope you enjoy it. It, it was a labor of love. Blah blah. blah. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I was upfront about but the that's fact, a and I had my name next to it. Yeah. Like, you know, like. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. Because I was gonna say, like, I I endorse stuff that I do. Well, I'll say I, this. I'm in the show. It's awesome. Best show ever. Go Five watch stars. It. But right. there's a, there's, yeah, but there's a big difference between promoting a thing that you work on right. and reviewing, secretly reviewing a thing that you work yeah. on. I'm going to review my show. It's great. It's the secret part. Yeah, that's definitely the issue. What do you, I mean, this is kind of a veering off topic a little bit, but in the same kind of vein. What do you think about um, 
you know, the public's ability to review bomb a game and the protections currently around developers for that. Yes, so it's, I mean, that's tough. Uh, on the one hand, you don't want to say people who've purchased this game can't make their feelings known. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I do feel like review bombing has been weaponized that, lately. Totally, totally. I feel like that's not the way you need to go about um, you know, airing your grievances or, or enacting change. I think, you know, I think creating a separate petition or like, you know, there's lots of ways that you can complain about things online that pick up traction and stuff, but review bombing is such a brutal, as you say, like weaponized way to attack a developer. And I feel like that there should be, there should be more protections in place for, for developers or at least more moderation from Steam. Yeah, I mean, Steam is making some progress in that regard. They did launch an update that will uh, show spikes in uh, outliers. Right. So, uh, and this was particularly relevant. I think this, uh, it was implemented not long after the whole Firewatch review bombing because there were several incidences, I think, pretty, pretty back to back. And so Steam did roll out an update so you can go through and see, uh, like there was a spike in negative and you can go and look at specifically those ones and mm. go, oh, it's because people are, but, you know, upset over the whole like PewDiePie thing. But does the front like the front facing, like mostly positive, mostly negative. Is that if it still says that, like honestly, I am so married to those those phrases. Like if something says overwhelmingly positive, I will 100% click on that game and at least look at it. Do and, you, and I'll be very inclined to purchase it if it's like a cheaper game. Do you put more weight behind the? Because uh, they've got it broken down into mm -hmm. two categories. There's overall, which is <clears throat> live to date average. I, I honestly put more weight on recent. recent. Right. Because recent is like. Okay, they've made some changes. Now this game is good as shit, or you know. But if I see, but and a lot of times I'm just browsing from the front, like the top sellers or the new release, and and if I see like it's pretty good, like this is positive, like okay. I'm like, eh, so I probably if, won't even click on it. So if, for example, you saw a game that was overwhelmingly positive and you went to it and you're like, everyone has only great things to say, buy it, and it turned out that they were all developers who left those reviews, you see the problem. A hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. But you only get you only get overwhelmingly positive if you have to have 500 reviews to get a statement, I believe. So 20 people couldn't do it. Well, I mean, it would take them a couple accounts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a it's a difficult problem because I agree. Like people, they want to like see the reviews or like you want to leave. Like a lot of those like street musicians will put some money in the case so that mm. other people think that, oh, mm. other people have left money in this case, I shall also contribute, as opposed example. to being the first person and to do so. For a small developer as well, they're trying to help themselves along in any way that they can, mm -hmm. you know, so I kind of feel sorry for them. It's not like, yeah, as you say, it wasn't like some massive developer who, you know, yeah. got loads and loads of employees to do it. But yeah, I think the problem is where do you draw the line? I, I like. I suspect, and what I hope happens out of this is that they they have their discussion with Valve. They apologize. They you know figure something out, and they can get back on the platform. Uh, yeah, like more of a just, slap on the wrist than of like yeah. lasting like repercussions for them, because that would be sad. Yeah, because you know a developer of that size that's already clearly struggling to uh, make sales and make a wave, being locked out of Steam, the number one. Uh, digital sales platform for PC games is like that's the, almost a death sentence. Totally, it's a hundred percent death sentence. Well, I mean, look, there are alternatives. They could be on GOG, they could go on uh, Green Man or Humble Bundle, or there are alternatives, but they are all so much smaller that if you're, <clears throat> if on the biggest possible platform you're doing twenty four thousand copies, 
going to those other ones is severely limiting your, your potential market. And so I think that it would be very, very difficult for them to survive as a developer uh, if they don't work it out with Valve. Yeah. Which on the one hand, uh, if you think about it, makes it really kind of crazy that Valve can determine whether or not you can continue as a developer. <laughs> Remember when Valve was a developer? Those uh, were the days. No, but hey, they're working on a sweet card game nah, for Dota 2. Everyone's really that excited about that. That reaction one. was so bad. All they do is roll desks around their office, their free form work on whatever office, and never complete games anymore. <laughs> nah. Mm. They, yeah. At this point, I'm pretty sure they just have like office chair races. I mean, why wouldn't you? They're, look, they're all on wheels. Yeah. Might as well. Do it. So that was so that's one of the big things that happened. The other thing we have a development in the whole the saga of loot boxes and potential legislation. Uh oh. So uh, I'd love to hear more about like what Australia has going on, if anything. But uh, there there are now two just this week new developments in the U.S., which is um, Hawaii has introduced uh, a new bill that's targeting loot boxes, and uh, the um, the representative from Hawaii was one of the uh, vocal opponents of loot boxes, you know, when this first started becoming a thing and like the, you know, snowballing a few months ago. Um, but also um, out of New Hampshire, a senator has proposed regulation against loot boxes. So um, let me pull up the, um, the details from Hawaii really quick uh, because that's one of the, like that, that representative has been, we've spoken about him before. Um, uh, so there's four bills um, that have been introduced. Uh, they were introduced last month in January, um, targeting what they call exploitative monetization techniques in video games. Um, sure, sure. Got to got to take care of that real quick. Uh, <laughs> like there's bigger issues we should be dealing with at a political stage at the moment. You guys, look, I I agree, but I think this is very interesting as an industry it because is, it last is. time it's hard not to be better. Because yeah, last time something like this happened, we got the ESRB. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe the last. I time think as that. well, um, for, from uh, the 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 grander perception from like I don't know what do you call like the, what's the word for muggles for non gamers like <laughs> uh, uh, normies. Nor yeah, right. <laughs> I think they still see um, they still see games as something that's kind of a lot of kids play games. And they need to protect the children, and especially if it's around gambling and stuff like that. So that's why I think people jump on this kind of stuff. And that's absolutely the narrative. In fact, let me. Um, uh, in fact, uh, let me let me skip back to the the New Hampshire uh, senator that introduced something because it's the verbiage is very much about kids, whereas the Hawaii one is like the dude uh, introducing it is like he did grow up, he understands games, he grew up playing them and is concerned by this. Sure. Uh, so like it's a little bit differently nuanced as opposed to like, won't someone think of the children? <laughs> um, which is much more what uh, this one is. So uh, Senator uh, Maggie Hassan uh, from New Hampshire uh, there's this uh, letter saying, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's very, very long, but it is like the ESRB system is of great value to parents and, uh, you know, making informed decisions on behalf of their children, but the prevalence of in-game microtransactions or loot boxes raises several concerns around the use of psychological principles and enticing mechanics that closely mirror those often found in casinos and games of chance. Uh, also, interestingly, uh, calls in the recent uh, World Health Organization classification of uh, gaming disorder as a unique condition. So remember when we were like, does anyone even pay attention to the you know, World Health Organization? Mm -hmm. Well, let's do even become anything. No one really cares, right? Well, it just ended up in this uh, letter for 
uh, for loot box regulation. So, um, there, let's see, there's a debate whether they should be considered gambling, um, but it's basically urging the ESRB to regulate them uh, because they take into account the potential harm these types of microtransactions may have on children. Yeah, I think there's kind of similar inquiries are being made in Australia, and I think you, some, some country... Uh, some part of the UK, I think, just enacted some kind of uh, legislation saying that it was considered gambling, and so they're just not allowed there. Yeah. I can't quite remember where, there's, but I think... Yeah, I think there's a couple different European countries that have been looking very closely at it. Yeah, I think... I think, you know, when it's something like Hearthstone where you get a bunch of cards, but the cards that you don't need, you can at least break those materials down to create other stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's not so bad, but I think when you just end up with paying a certain amount of money and you can have a chance to, to get something or a chance to just get nothing. You're just kind of throwing money at chance there. <laughs> and that's when it starts to get really frustrating for a lot of people, I think. Well, well and what's, what's tricky too is that, uh, you know, this being in video games, uh, particularly uh, recently, and that it seems like every uh, AAA game is starting to rely on this mechanic. Mm. Uh, not Monster Hunter. Except for Monster <laughs> Hunter. Uh, but it's also not remotely new like card games, like trade, like you know, trading card games, like that. You would the entire point of a lot of those was you would buy these little booster packs and hope that you got some Something. card that you really yeah. wanted. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a new thing; it's just new to video games. Uh, and no one was concerned about it when it was physical cards, like it was you know, Pokemon. Well, at least you got or an object. Magic. Yeah, it's a physical collectible. I think it's also, I think it's also the thing that um, value physical value, like real money value. It existed. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's also just because it's become so much more commonplace now that you know different publishers are seeing how much money can be made from it. It's starting to get a bit out of hand in how many games are using them and relying on them. And I think also, just the kind of the way they go about it is just really bad as well. I think you know. Battle, Battlefront was a was a great example of that, yeah. and the backlash, and that they're coming back. Those. Yeah, I mean, I think I, mean, they, they I think the way they worded it was kind of like <laughs> they just wanted the the worst of it to blow over, and then you know people who wanted to keep Slide playing the game there, are just yeah. yeah. How do you feel about uh, Sea of Thieves just announced that? Is this a new, new story? No, it's not. I, no, I, I saw that announcement. They're, they're like, we're like, not going to no! have loot boxes except in, in three months. We'll have loot boxes. Three months later, we're going to have loot boxes, and they're going to be cosmetic. And people are really happy about that, saying, like, we're not going to have loot boxes at launch. We're going to have three months of no loot boxes, but in three months, they're going to have cosmetic DLC. So it's like, <laughs> what does that mean for the base game? Are we going to have a game full of just generic pirate outfits? Mm. And then in three months, we're going to have, like, badass Jack Sparrow outfits and stuff that you can buy or, or See, I'd what? be cool with that if like the game was free <laughs> you know right. like there was, have you ever played Path of Exile yes I fucking love Path of Exile I feel like we have a long comment um, yeah Path of Exile was, was a free um, like isometric RPG and it was incredible that that game was free but they had so many cosmetic um, purchases that you could buy and I think people who loved that game ended up putting heaps of money into that because mm. they wanted to support the game and everything was cosmetic and you had the option to play for free or just have all of this like cool shit that you could buy. Yes. So I have no issue with like cosmetic loot box ideas and stuff like that, but like if the game mm -hmm. was free or significantly yes. free. Yes, then Path of Exile's monetization model, fantastic. Yeah. I put, I don't want to say how much. <laughs> not, not like, okay, pretty excessive. More than I would pay, <laughs> more than I would pay for a AAA game. I put into that that amount that that game. Uh, now, but, is it, but is I it got loot like, box based or is it no, you see no, the no, thing you, you just, want and you buy it? Yeah, based. you just straight up. They have they have introduced like these boxes, but all the items in them are 
garbage, at least in my opinion. But they have like, if you want to buy the specific thing, you get that specific thing. And that's what I did. I was like, I really want a cool looking axe. And mm. I bought a cool looking axe. I like being able to walk and like flames of yes. fire kind of come up from all the places that I've walked. And that's what I put some money on. <laughs> I've seen, uh, I don't want to talk about my transactions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as, the, as these bills go, um, just going back to the, the Hawaii thing, the, the, what this would potentially do is stop things like the Sea of Thieves implementation where it launches without them and then yeah, you, la like adds them you in. You don't know what you don't, like what, the, what, the, what isn't in the game yet, so just buy it and then see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Once, once you're hooked, <laughs> then we've got you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So one of them uh, would require, one of the bills would require video game publishers to label games with loot boxes like they do with like cigarettes and be like this, this could actually kill you would it have, avoiding you like, in a while. like the cd labels that are like yeah. rental Explosive. warning advisory yeah would it have like a picture of someone like with an empty wallet and crying and going, <laughs> this could be you like i i started playing this game and now i'm sucking dick in the bathroom just to buy another loot box Jesus. i just wanted another jacket but dark really quick man um and then the other bill, the, the non-dick-sucking bill, uh, would, uh, let's see, uh, would go a step further and try and prohibit sales of games with loot boxes to anyone under the age of 21. 21? Yeah. Because yeah, really, it's like basically uh, gambling. Gam right. Wasn't, we really gam stopped people from gambling games under the age for gambling 21? Yeah. I thought it was 18. It's no, 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 18 no. In you, Australia. Can, you, can, <laughs> you can die for your country at 18, but you can't gamble yet. I thought it was just or drinking drink, was 21, or, man. You can Where have I fucking been? Is, is I swear I gambled <laughs> at 18. Not legally. What? <laughs> uh, is, what? What's cigarettes? Is that 19? 18. 18. 18? Used to be, used to be drinking was 19 or 18, right? Yeah, and then that... In uh, Louisiana, I think it was up until a few years ago. Yeah, I think the, uh, the government ended up basically holding uh, money for uh, road repairs mm. hostage until they changed it. They're like, we're not going to repair your freeways until, <laughs> until yeah. you're Having damage. driven through Louisiana, can't really tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then the, the first bill, the one that uh, would have warning labels, um, would also prohibit publishers from updating a game post-release to get around that. So like launch a game without mm. it so you don't have to put the warning label on and then add it later. Mm. I still don't care about cosmetic stuff. As long as you give me the fun game to play, I'm good. Dude, I super care and... Playing Monster Hunter and having like such a deep game with so much stuff I can unlock just in the game, mm. and it all looks cool, has made me like, I just really want people to look at Monster Hunter as an example. They hit their sales target numbers for the year in like three weeks. Like, people, yeah, people, people number... should look at that game and be like, oh, we can do better. It immediately skyrocketed to the best-selling Monster Hunter game and then skyrocketed to the best Capcom launch of all time yes. as well. So, like, it's, wow. it's really, I think, surprised uh, a lot of people by how much this was wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so My I, first instinct is that I wouldn't care about the cosmetic stuff, but I think just given how much time we spent talking about character creation, and then I've played Sea of Thieves, and I, it just took me a while to like be able to afford a new jacket. And, and I was so excited was. when I got that jacket. Yeah, yeah, to, to have to make that a loot box situation, but like potentially get the same jacket twice is just like devastating. <laughs> <laughs> Two things really quick, Adam. Uh, so one, the gambling age varies state by state. So some states it's 18, What is it in Vegas? In Vegas? 21. I will, I will find that in a second. Nonsense. I think if you look old enough, it doesn't matter. Uh, 
The other thing sure. is in uh, Sea of Thieves, they're not adding loot boxes in three months. They're adding microtransactions. So you don't have a randomized chance of finding a varied item, but you oh. can purchase an item directly. Okay. I think. Okay. I, think I like, I like so that. Starting, model we're better. starting to get Me a little too. bit better. Yeah. But before I feel comfortable dropping money on microtransactions, I do want to know if they're, like, is it, are they doing that? Uh, Overwatch style, where micro, they do microtransactions as a post-launch monetization model instead of paid DLC, so that then they continue updating the game, but everyone gets the updates, like everyone gets the additional content, mm -hmm. but it's instead of buying the DLC, you're just buying. Don't be greedy. Cool I'm still, outfits. I'm still in the in the camp of I would like to pay for the game and then get the content. I'll pay for expansions. I'll, I'll pay so I'll, I'll pay sixty dollars every few months for an expansion for a game I like. Ah, mm. but then. Adam, you're uh, fragmenting the player base every update. That was one. That was one of the big reasons oh, yeah. that uh, that it was so. That was the Rainbow Six. Uh, uh, I think that ended up uh, sort of switching and doing. They gave everyone access to the like the updates and like the new maps and everything because it was fragmenting the player base. I think you to, get the new maps. You just you can't get the new operators. You have to pay for the operators. You can but play you don't against get the new them, apps. but you can't play with them. Right. So uh, that, but that way the entire player base is all together and not, not cut off by like, well, you've got this DLC, mm. so like you guys are in this pool and you've got this one and this one, so you're off in this pool because then, mm -hmm. you know, you just, it's not, it doesn't make a great long-term healthy as, player base. Yeah, as your population starts to together. taper down, it's terrible if they're fragmented. Yeah. And it sounds like for Sea of Thieves that it's going to be a content update, so not something you have to purchase that will add more stuff to the game, but that's when the cosmetics are going to unlock and you can start purchasing items. Right. So as a post-launch monetization model, I'm more okay with that. I know we disagree on this, Adam. Now, listen, I, I'm all for, like, developers giving out content for free if it's supported by something, but, like, for, for someone who... I love cosmetics. I love looking cool in games, dude. And if, if I have to pay, like, 20 bucks to look like a cool pirate instead of looking like a lame pirate, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> well, just so you know... I just want to earn that the, stuff. The, uh, yeah. the, the captain's jacket, which uh, you could just earn in-game during the beta, was pretty sweet. I got to the point where I could almost also afford the shoes. Wow. I got a sick white jacket, and that was all from plundering, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rare has come out and said that there will be opportunities to earn paid currency through normal play. Of course. Um, while the plans for how this will happen aren't final yet, he suggests you could find items in the game world or receive it as a reward after you do high-level quests. The first paid content for the game will come in the form of pets. Pets! Pets. That's... This is... It's, there's, it's the parrot DLC. I love parrot. I want a pet dolphin. I want a dolphin that's going to go and fight the sharks. I feel like that's impractical. Mm. Because then when you're on land, like, what's your dolphin doing? Just hanging out in shark-infested waters? You know, it's going to beat the crap out of all the sharks. Sharks are the most terrifying It's going to, it's going to, like, it's going to bump them with its nose in the gills and chase them all off. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like, it's going to be an attack dolphin. I think I would like a miniature horse. <laughs> Just, just like hang, a little pony hang, hanging out oh, on the to, boat. What if you have a, a little, like a pony or a burro or something that you can run around digging up treasure and instead of taking it all back to the ship at once, you can just like have it like carry it with a little harness? That'd be pretty cute. Can I fire it out of the cannon too? <laughs> you, you can, I mean, actually. I don't think it's fair to the burro if you can get fired out of a cannon and it can't. Ryan, I have it right here. You can fire it out of the cannon, it'll land on its feet because it's a cat. The pet? And it'll come back to you, yeah. You can get a cat? <laughs> you get a cat. Yes! But will I have to come back to you? Wait, they make you pay for cats in, in, in Sea of Thieves? You're That's what I'm reading. You get them free in Monster Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. Free, free <laughs> <cat>. <laughs> uh, all right, but uh, uh, leapfrogging off the, the discussion about how the, 
regulation of loot boxes is a little bit different in Australia. I actually want to talk a little bit more about how um, the different rules for all the different stuff all around the world really affect the entire gaming landscape and how little we think about that sometimes. Gaming around the world? Get it, it's like Australia. <laughs> Yeah. Represented. Represented. <laughs> That's just what it's like to go to the store. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that, uh, that blew my mind the most uh, when I moved overseas was because I, I, you know, I wanted to uh, live outside the country. You know, it's like see like other things and like other lifestyles. And I wanted to go to the grocery store and be like, everything's different brands and this is crazy, uh, which is a lot of fun. But when I moved to Sydney. It blew my mind how there were things that I had just taken for granted when I was living in the U.S. that no longer applied to me. Things like uh, in, because I moved in 2008, mm -hmm. uh, and there was an internet data cap. At like I, I had to pay for internet, and I got a certain number of gigabytes per month. Mm. And at the time, it got way, way, way better over time. But it started off being like 40 gigabytes. Holy or yeah. shit! Whatever. Yeah. And so. <laughs> Um, that was before streaming, though. I feel like it's kind of had to adapt a little bit over time. Yeah. You can get unlimited now, um, but it's you know, it's very expensive. And the quality doesn't really match what you pay for. Where I live, I can't get internet that's good enough to stream. So I have, I've got like a, we've got like a cable internet connection, which is like okay. And then when I want to stream, I have a separate Wi-Fi, like a 4G Wi-Fi dongle. No and way, I use you that. stream on 4G? I stream on 4G. Holy that's the only way, I can, that's the only thing that I can get that has an upload that's good enough to be able to do it. So it's super expensive. And I have a set amount of gigs that I can, that I use of that. And it's got like a little, like a little bar on it that I watch it going up and every time I'm streaming, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> it's wow. awful. And like the, the conversation around the quality of internet in Australia has just been a, a raging, angry debate for so long because there was an infrastructure. It's been so that, politicized. Yeah. Like was, whether or not you need internet. There was an infrastructure that was kind of put in place from the previous government that was, um, that was going to be quite good, but it was very, very expensive. And so when the next government came in, they pretty much... Um, annihilated all of that and have created a, a sort of a subpar version of that. And so some people are getting this supposed good internet, but it's not really that great. Some people are kind of doing okay on it, but the whole thing is a disaster. And we look at other countries that are, I would say, I wouldn't say a third world, but are kind of worse worse off in, in kind of economically than, than Australia that have such better internet than us. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, one of the tricks with Australia is, first of all, the entire infrastructure, they were gonna roll out fiber, but ended up just leaving it. So now it's running over the same copper That's right. that everything was running over before, uh, yeah. which is not as good. Mm. It's not good, no, uh, yeah, not, well, not good for uh, internet. Uh, well, <laughs> copper, I mean, still, like a lot of America runs on copper, mm -hmm. and it's and, and America it's is all not about known the, for having great internet. If you look at it on average, either. yeah, like the the areas like uh, we're get, very lucky in Austin because we can get fiber. Totally, but, but outside, but I've lived outside of Austin. I've, I've lived in areas without fiber, and it was still like it's not Australia bad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not to not to be offensive. Yeah, it's it's super frustrating. Not only just for gamers, but for just I think businesses and anyone who wants to advance, you know, commercially, it's just it's really difficult. And I don't know what the answer is because we've spent so much money already on the current infrastructure, and it's just not great. Well, it sounds like wireless is really where everyone is is going over there, just because laying the the physical infrastructure is so impossible. Well, because it's such a like it's a big country, mm -hmm. and the population is in a couple of pockets that are pretty far apart. Yeah, we all kind of just live around the edge of a really, really big island in kind of sporadic <laughs> places like this. So yeah, it's, it's difficult. 
And I think particularly for rural areas and stuff like that, they're trying to make sure that those people are, that are taken care of, so at least they have something. But um, it's weird that in like major cities, like I live, you know, maybe 40 minutes from the center of Sydney and the internet where I live is so bad. <laughs> do, you, do you live with a data cap? Uh, I don't think, on, not on our, um, on our regular cable, I don't think, but um, the, the, like, the download is so slow, I feel like I would never be able to right. reach that cap anyway. <laughs> like, it was so funny because I was over at your house and I was like, you know, I was trying to convince her to play The Witcher and I was like, you know, if you should probably just set it up downloading now so that you can play it, you know, in the next day or so. And you were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I was we'll like start, you know, it's a big game. You've got to prepare yourself. Like, we'll, we'll start downloading it 10 minutes before we need it. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> a small tear just rolled down. <laughs> I feel like if I lived with a data cap, my life would be way different. Like I would set aside like an hour of gaming a day or I wouldn't download as many games and then I would go outside and do other things with my life. Well, imagine this. Um, imagine, Adam, if... Uh, your entire life, you were downloading at PS4 speeds. Yeah, no, it sucked. I mean, I've, I've now imagine that. Now imagine making it worse. Yeah, it just it means that you have to plan everything because we live in a society where we kind of are really used to the immediacy of stuff. If I, you know, want to Uber a hot dog to my house, I can do it. So it's really frustrating when I'm like, oh, I want to play this game, and I'm like, I can play it in you know, 13 hours and 46 minutes. <laughs> has the, has the introduction of preloading been a godsend? Because now there's a lot of games that they'll let you, like, it'll start downloading, like, two yeah. or three days beforehand and then on, just unlock a launch. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's it's awesome that you can have all that stuff set up. That definitely helps, for sure. Unless you have a cap, a data cap, and then you like... <laughs> <laughs> then you're really just screwed all around. I remember yeah. when I uh, I finally, and, then, like, just before I moved back, got my unlimited iInet. Oh, yeah. And I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I think I am um, because I have. I'm constantly switching between these two internet connections. I was um, streaming um, uh, with my PS4 like wirelessly connected to my 4G dongle, and forgot that I had it set up to that. And I thought I turned it off, but I actually had just gone into like rest mode or whatever, and then downloaded downloaded like four updates for different games. And then I came back to stream the next day and was like, no. And then I just have to explain to everyone, well, I can't stream for the rest of the month because I've I've hit my cap for this. And how cost prohibitive is it to get more data at that point? I think that I've got the maximum that you can get on this particular. And line. then what? Do they just shut it off or? Yeah. You just, just, no. Oh, no, it's I just, think I can get, it, get no, like, no, 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 you can get more, but it's $10 per gig that you go over the cap. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. So, you know, we, we like to be like, well, it's just like all digital all the time. That's so great. This is why physical still exists. Mm. I did for comparison, too, too and just Ben, maybe you can figure this out on the fly here. What If an hour of, of, of streaming at, you know, nominal rates, what, what are we talking about in terms of how much data that would use? Let me look it up. Yeah. All right. um, but uh, the other thing that I didn't prepare for when I moved there was the price difference of things. Mm. So I, when I, I uh, got this job offer from uh, Xbox, and I was like, oh, my God, I just got such a raise. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> like, I'm, gonna, I'm moving to Sydney. It's going to be uh, just absolutely right. And I got there, and I was like, I might make less than I made before because <laughs> just everything, like rent costs more, the internet costs more, everything costs more. Like the base game price is uh, was 90 bucks. Yeah. And then like, it goes I, up from there. Sydney in general, just the cost of living, to put it in perspective, is I think it's one of the top four most expensive cities in the world to live in. And I think, um, but the issue around games and software in general is quite frustrating because I think 
Um, I think it's gotten a little bit better over time, and obviously there's a, 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 an exchange rate difference and things like that, but um, we've kind of looked into why games cost more in Australia than they do in, in, in other places. And we can't really get a straight answer on it, but the general consensus is that um, because it's a smaller market to cater to and there's like a lot of region locking and stuff on consoles and stuff, I think you can kind of just set a higher price there and because you can and people will pay it because they don't have an alternative. So um, I think that's why particularly in brick and mortar stores and stuff, physical copies of games cost a lot more. But even when you're downloading um, digital copies, they're still a bit more expensive. So it's, it's not like an import tax or anything. It's just yeah. the base price. It's yeah, not. it's super frustrating. Yeah. With the, I think Adobe came out and said, oh, it's because our like local support and stuff costs a lot and that's why we have to make it so much more expensive. But it's a lot more expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, if you look at something, it's costing 50% more. And there's, th there's two ways to look at it. One uh, is that everything costs 50% more mm. and everyone makes more. And so per capita, it's not as different. But the other argument then is like, well, I could just import it uh, from somewhere else and mm. save a ton of money. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of people, I think, were doing that. They were just like importing well, games where possible. There were like parallel sort of import restrictions on like large quantities of stuff. So yeah. if, if one retailer, for example, wanted to, to be price competitive, they weren't able to import at a cheaper price and sell it at a cheaper price. So we don't have that ability to be competitive in that respect. So they, they all just kind of are competitive with each other at a higher price, which is frustrating. But yeah, you can kind of import from different locations and stuff like that. But I think... Um, yeah, in general, there's a there's a, a system that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I ran into something interesting when I was I was uh, doing like a giveaway for some games on stream once, and I tried to gift a game to someone. Uh, I think they may have been in Australia, and it said no. It said you can't do that. We can't. You can't give them this game at this price. Yeah, <laughs> really. I mean, I remember. Huh? I remember uh, at one point, like Steam started putting regulations like that in, and I think it had to do with um, people buying a bunch of like really cheap, like Russian keys or something, and then uh, reselling them at a higher rate and yeah. like gaming the system that way. My friends were on the Russian keys for a while. I remember when that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so then they like locked down what regions you could trade some things mm -hmm. between. I didn't realize that Australia was I'm not 100% sure it was Australia, but yeah. They, Who knew? I didn't, I never realized that there was places that you could, I mean, it wasn't even like a, a sale. I was gifting it, you know, mm. it was just like, here, take the game. And they're like, ah, you can't, you, you, mm -mm. Mental. That's brutal. So right. they really don't want you to have games at a reasonable price. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but like as a result, um, do you see, because like you've, you've traveled a, a bunch, you've seen... Um, you know, because you have been doing a good game for so long and now screenplay and you've seen the industry develop, mm. uh, you know, over the, over the past several, several years. Is it getting better? Yeah, I mean, it feels like it is getting better. I think just the demand of, um, you know, particularly with, in terms of the internet with streaming and stuff like that, I think sort of people's access to data has certainly changed and improved within it, like people's necessity to be able to use all that stuff. So it, it's definitely gotten better, but I feel like we're just perpetually behind everyone. And with the price of games, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of evened out a little bit, but I think, we're again, we're always going to be paying this that little bit so more. So what is this? So this is, uh, there's something called the Global Internet uh, Speed Index, the Speed Test Global Index. Um, so this is the United States' average uh, mobile and broadband connection. So for instance, United States is ranked 
um, 42nd for mobile speeds, but ninth for broadband speeds. Uh, and it gives you the average like download and upload speeds there on the left and right. Oh, wow. But and then yeah, Australia, mobile, though. Australia's mobile is ranked as sixth for mobile data. Uh, they have an average 47.94 download speed and an average uh, 14 upload speed. And then at broadband, you're ranked or Australia's ranked at 56 with an average speed of 26 down and nine up. I mean, do you feel like you, where do you are you getting these 26 and nine though? Because that seems way better than most of these. Yeah, yeah, that's just definitely. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe at work we get that, like big businesses mm -hmm. and stuff have access to that kind of stuff. But I, there's no internet service provider that I can get that will access my house that will give me anything like that. I mean, to yeah. be an average, you'd think that maybe only people in big businesses are actually running speed tests. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I think with the um, with the, what we call the National Broadband Network, the NBN, that certainly picked things up. The where it's where it works well for people, um, I think that's where the internet speeds are good. But I think there's just it's just really random and patchy at the moment. And mm -hmm. there are some people that have the NBN that are just like this is worse than what I had before. <laughs> yeah, there's a. It's so crazy to think that like there's all these uh, these new. Uh, you get like these advances in like technology or internet and like the whole industry pushes forward in what you can do. But not everyone is moving ahead at the same rate. And so it's really easy. It's interesting to see like who, you know, like different countries will probably like be at the edge of that mm. before other countries. And then we'll be like, who buys digital? And there are other countries like, hello, we do. <laughs> this is very important. Or, you know, why <coughs> online gaming is more popular some places than others and so on, because not everyone can necessarily do the same thing. It's quite the juggling act for the industry. I think we had a guy, um, we did a story on a guy who, um, from Australia, who went in, who got into the, the Quake World Championships, I think, with a ping of 300. <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. I mean, like, if he's playing with that kind of handicap, he's going to just smash it when he gets in there. But he did really badly, but still. <laughs> well, it, can, it, can be, it can be really difficult, too, because if he, like, he's trained for a certain amount of lag, yeah. and then switches over onto like, a network or something that's yeah. super fast, yeah. and he's overcompensating mm -hmm. almost, so that could be super frustrating. When, um, when I was uh, doing competition, we would, before a big competition, we would actually rent a house with uh, like another team that we were friends with um, and line up for a week to get... you reaccustomed to land conditions for whatever sure. we were playing yeah. because internet would like you have to play differently right yeah, yeah. so it's a it's like it's a huge consideration you just like cool. get you you know you muscle memory certain compensations mm -hmm. and like you can't do that anymore it's tough but every, every time I complain about my internet I think about the guy with 300 points, you know? <laughs> I should stop complaining <laughs> <laughs> you, you poor thing. Uh, all right well I think we're gonna we're gonna take off uh, we're gonna go do some stuff for uh, while you're still visiting me in in Austin um, so we're gonna I mean, love it. Uh, but thank you guys for watching this episode of Glitch, please. It's been a lot of fun. I feel like we all learned some things. Thanks so much for having me as well. I feel like I've had so much fun in the week that I've been here just with you and, and with Rooster Teeth and stuff. It's been great. Isn't it so great that you were come to visit? <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Rooster Teeth first member, make sure you check out our first exclusive post show, New Game Plus. It's available only on the website. Um, and if you are not a Rooster Teeth first member but you kind of want to check it out, there is a 30-day free trial so you can sign up and you can get access to all the cool shows. There are a lot of really cool first exclusive shows. Uh, also, 
also uh, note if you uh, are around in Austin next week, we are doing uh, the live shows. So you can get, uh, I think there are tickets for some of the shows still left. Um, you can get details about that on our website. Uh, if not, the, let's see, the podcast and on the spot will be streamed live. Uh, and then it will be posted up uh, as usual. Uh, and then you know, always open and off topic will be pre-recorded uh, at the live events and then and then published later. So if you want to check them out live, they're really, really awesome. And a bunch of us will be there and you can say hi. Uh, if not, well, we'll see you next week. For more Glitch, please. Bye.